Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the very first, the premiere episode of Oral Sessions. Um, I figured no better way to kick this bitch off than with my very own loving, dear, sweet, handsome husband. You guys know him as John Moxley. He is the AEW World Champion. Um, he is the United States Champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He has held many different championships in many different promotions, as you guys know from WWE. Uh, United States Champion, Intercontinental Champion, WWE Champion, Tag Team Champion. This man has done it all. And I am married to him. He lives in my house. Well, our house, I guess I shouldn't just say my house. So I figured, hey, he should be my first guest. Hopefully I can get him to pop on pretty frequently because I know that you guys like him. I like him. But here's the cool thing. So I got to sit down and just chat with him. And, you know, I've I've sat next to him many times when he's been doing interviews. And I've we've seen a bunch of his interviews. Um, but I feel like we really got another layer of John in this. Maybe a more humanized version of him. Um, some stories you guys have never heard before, maybe some tidbits about him that you did not know. But anyways, I think that the interview is really, really great. We had a lot of fun doing it. Again, just kind of working out the kinks of getting a podcast up and running. And he was uh, a great first person to sit down next to me and kick this show into high gear. Um, all right. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is... John Moxley. Hold on, wait. Do I have to give it the John Moxley? I can't do it. Oh, God. Here he is. Bye. Guys, welcome. This is a very, very first episode of Oral Sessions. You, my cool husband, John Moxley. You, of course, had to be my first subject. Are you ready? Is there a lot of pressure to like really perform to help me right out the gates to make this a smash success? This is a lot of pressure if this is the first episode you're ever going to release. Mm -hmm. Because you're recording a cluster. But this is the maiden voyage. Yeah. Oh my God. Is it ever? That's a lot of pressure. Because this is the first one with video as well. Thank God I dressed up for it in my formal wear. Um, I didn't think that we were going to be recording tonight. I'm not wearing a bra if that helps. I don't feel as much pressure as you. You're very stressed. I was just stressed trying to sort everything out. Stressed about the mics and the audio. You're trying to work all this stuff, whatever. Uh, You're more stressed with the other episode that you already recorded that was a shit show. But it is a shit show. You know, because you didn't have everything perfect and prepared. You gotta just roll with it. You want everything perfect. It's not gonna be perfect the first time out of the gate. But But it's about the content. You just want the content to be strong. If there's some audio glitches or some video glitches, we can work around that. But so long as. The content is there. Content is king. The point is, if you want to do something, if you want to create something, just do it. Just start. You got to start somewhere. You have to. And this is where we're starting. This is it. With this big, glossy (laughs) glare behind me. We've got... Blinding me. I've got a ginger ale. cataracts by the end of this episode. I've got a ginger ale. You've got your double Jack and Diet, splash of Coke. We're good to go. Oral sessions. Yeah. Don't do that. It makes me think of the Offspring You're track. You're impossible to interview. From uh, Ixnay on the Ombre. Intermission. Yeah. Is that where that voice started for you? Yeah. Fun fact, John used yeah. to talk in this voice to me all the time on this app called Voxer, but he would do it like saying he was Ryback. And that was his voice and still is his voice for Ryback. If you ever do a Ryback impression, it's with that voice. I'm the big guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, he would use that voice. Like it's not It's not so up. much impersonating Ryback. It's almost like a, uh, it's new, it's a new character based on Ryback that I've made up. I haven't done that in years, though. I love Ryback. I miss that guy. Yeah, I, and he lives in Vegas. I'm Sweet guy. I'm surprised we don't ever see him. Sweet big guy. Probably because we never leave our house. We're like total hermits. We never go anywhere. But I prefer it that way. Okay, let's take things all the way back to sweet little baby John. What were you like as a kid? Because I find you are such an interesting adult. Just in the sense of like your social skills, um, who you want to hang out with, who you want to spend time with, when your energy picks up or like when you get really quiet. And I feel like you've probably always been like that. First of all, it was adorable. It was very cute. Not a lot of baby pictures of me circulating in the world. But if you saw them, you would melt. 
<laughs> Dimples. It was very, very cute child. All right, so you as a kid, what were you like as a kid? Probably pretty quiet. People uh, often describe me as quiet or shy as an adult. I've never described myself as shy because I'm not shy or afraid or timid to talk or express my opinion. I just don't always feel the need to talk. Whereas I feel like a lot of people need to fill the silent spaces like yourself with, uh, yeah, we're the exact opposite. She told me once early on when we were dating, she was just like, I can't believe how comfortable you are with making other people uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Because if I'm sitting at catering or whatever, and there's three, four people at the table, I don't feel the need to just talk, just to hear myself talk or just make conversation or whatever. Like, especially if it's people that I know and I'm comfortable with, I'll just sit there. But she'll feel uncomfortable in silence. And she'll think, she'll be like, aren't you uncomfortable? I think and I'm like, why should I be uncomfortable? Why should I? I don't have anything to say. I'm just sitting here. I'm eating my chicken. You know, we're all just sitting here. Because my relationship with people is already established in the sense that if I just sat down at a table and didn't speak to anybody, it would be odd because people expect me to sit down and chat and see how everyone's doing and whatever, where you have already set the tone that that's just not what you do. And people have accepted that, that they're just like, that's just how you behave. I talk to people all the time. People talk to me. I talk to them. Sometimes I ask people questions. (laughs) I'm very easy to talk to. I'm just not a chatty Kathy. I I don't think that makes me shy. But as a kid, if I was in a class where there were like friends of mine or people I felt comfortable with, I could be the most talkative kid in the class. Mm -hmm. But then I go to another class where I don't know anybody. I might not say a word the entire school year. So it's just like I would be like. I, with I remember kind of even noticing about myself back then, especially in like junior high or so, where like some classes is just like, well, I'm just not going to talk for the next 45 minutes because I don't know anybody. And, Did that make you uncomfortable and like... Or, I, or, or, or I don't like anybody. No, not necessarily. Like what's your like internal dialogue when you're just being so like quiet yourself? Are you like thinking about what other people are doing or you don't want to talk to them? Like what is the reasoning for not wanting to talk? You don't want to establish new relationships? No, it's not that I don't want to talk. It's just I don't know. I don't really have an explanation for it. But uh, I spend a lot of time in my own head. Even in a conversation with somebody, I'll be having a separate conversation with myself. Especially when it comes to like talking ideas and creative stuff. I'll be, I'll be listening to somebody and half of my brain will be downloading all that information. But I'll be in a whole other world with the right half of my brain while they're talking to me. A lot of people don't like that, and they find it weird, but... But you're processing. You're processing, yeah, and like, you're thinking, and you're just taking your time. Problems that I have in adulthood with people, where people have, like, issues with the way I am or whatever. Like, you're a different type of cat bullshit. Sure. Fuck off. Right. It's real, but it's shit that I've been dealing with, and people have been trying to fix since I was in third grade. And it never got fixed. And now, but it's not I'm, a problem. Like I'm, a, you've said. I'm about to be 35, and I feel like I'm a pretty well-adjusted, successful adult. Sure. So I'm not gonna try to fix it now. It's just who I am. It's what it is, you know. And I've gotten a lot better at stuff, and I, I've identified those things that uh, make people feel weird about me. A lot of that comes from being with you. Mm. If we walk into the building, is walking through to the locker room or whatever, you'll pass by like 20 people. She will. Know everybody, everybody on the crew, every single person. Everybody's like, Renee. And, and she, she knows everybody's like, oh, how's your kid? Your kid's in soccer, right? Oh, how's that going? Oh, how's your wife's thing with the thing? Like, she knows everybody's story. She knows everybody's problems. Everybody feels comfortable with her. Everybody wants to spill their guts to her and confide in her. She knows all this stuff and can withhold all this information. Nobody's going to come up to me with anything. Yes, that is definitely my, my personality type versus your personality type. But there's times that I feel like I burn myself out by giving people so much of my energy and brain space where you don't do that. No. You really respect your brain space and your like energy output and input more than I do. Yeah, there's many times. I'm more of a giver in that way where you really like you conserve energy and you do what's important to you. It's actually a much 
better way to fucking go. Yeah, there's many times where, you know, you're overloaded with doing stuff and answering and responding to people. And I just go, you need to learn how to not answer your phone. Yeah. You need to learn the art of ignoring people because eventually they'll just stop bothering you. Mm -hmm. You know how many people try to get me to tweet things (laughs) every day? It's not that I'm, I I don't want to promote my own stuff. I just don't want to be on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. It's not for me. I keep it basically, it's like the emergency broadcast system. If like the main event had to change tonight or I got injured, I got to pull out of a match or something like a charity thing or something important or you know, it, it's for emergencies only and it's only outgoing information. Well, will you tweet about my cookbook? I'm not. Com- yeah. <laughs> I have to, right? I might throw it out there. That was a decent pause. Hey, yeah, yeah. You got more followers than I do though, you know. It, you know, it, it's strictly for outgoing information. It's basically a bulletin board. I'm not communicating with people. And I don't want to get sucked into it. I don't want to hashtags and all that. Like I did one the other day because Jeff Jones, who I love, is our social media guy. And the toy people, the Mattel or whoever, are all up his ass to like get him to tweet a picture of his new toy. And he's like, oh, man, I hate to ask you. but And I, I don't want to make him look like a jerk. You know, so I'm like, all right, for Jeff... I will do it. So I tweet the picture of the toy. But also people are up, up my ass to promote shit all the time. And it's not that I don't want to promote my things, but it's like, I just don't want to be, it's only, it's only there for emergencies. And it's like, if I do it for one person, mm-hmm. then I have to do it for everybody. You know, I just, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to have Twitter. I might just get rid of it. But again, but, like, know. I think, I think that's just like another thing that comes back to like the conservation of energy and you protect your energy from bullshit that you don't need. I mean, we look at like that, that documentary, like social dilemma of how many people are glued to their phones and are obsessed with getting that like quick instant high of how many likes did I get? Who's following me? Who's whatever the fuck people scroll through their phones for. And that's something that you don't have. And I feel like but, you've, I, but I feel like you under- like beat the system. No, I mean I understand it, and I'm as vulnerable to it as anybody. Because if I'm bored at an airport or an airplane, I find myself reading ridiculous articles and going into rabbit holes on YouTube and this and that or whatever. Then I realize like I've just been looking at my phone for an hour, and it makes me feel like mentally dead and gross, it's horrible. And I feel like I feel weird. Yeah, I don't. It know? puts me in. A, I, I get in a bad mood. Yeah. I can feel it. I do a lot of put my phone on airplane mode, especially when I'm at the gym. That's one hour. What could happen in this hour where you have to talk to me? Well, that's why you got to get the Apple Watch because it puts your phone on side. I do not do Apple. No Apple products for this guy. You got like a Samsung watch. Or Samsung day. all day, every day. I don't want to be on the cloud. I don't want you hacking my information. I don't like Apple. Hmm, no, that's fine. All right. I don't, I don't actually, I don't like the iPhone. If I use your phone, I can't. My fingers are too big or the buttons are too small. I don't like it. I don't know. I like the Samsung. It's a big screen. I'm a Samsung guy. He's a green texter, everybody. All day, every day. Sweet little. MDK. Sweet little Jonathan. So you're a quiet kid. You're kind of keeping to yourself. You're doing your own thing. Did you start to get into trouble as a kid? Like, when did that kind of start to happen? That you, like, became, like, mischievous or, like, wanted to, like, act out or what have you? Well, I come from a particular area in Cincinnati called Piccadilly. a sort of a notorious bad reputation type uh, kind of... A lot of shopping carts. Row of... It's this big area of apartments. Government housing or subsidized housing, whatever that is. A lot... Of, like everybody... Different owners for a lot of the different uh, apartment buildings. So they all look different or kept in different states of disrepair. Everybody's poor. Everybody's, you know, there's a lot of uh, trailer park type stuff. Everybody's fighting all the time. It was constant fights, constant. Uh, you were getting in fights? Everybody fought. Everybody. Every two seconds. Look at somebody the wrong way, you're getting attacked. You're getting jumped. Like, when I got my bike stolen, I had a huffy dirt dog. First bike I ever had. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> I'm an innocent child at this point. Put that bitch on you the, must have been the sweetest boy. Put Ugh. that put that bitch on the kickstand. Leave it out front of my apartment. Next morning, it's gone. That was like a legit moment where I think my mindset in the world changes. Where I went, fuck everyone. The world's out to get you. Everybody sucks. Stay in your own bubble because everybody's out to get you and everybody is trying to take something from you. It like really it really fucked me up getting my bike stolen when I was a little kid. Yeah. You know, I mean, like uh, 
But your innocence gets taken from you. You get hardened like, on the world. Yeah, I mean, as, as simplistic as that sounds, like, oh, you got your bike stolen, you're a kid, poor you. Like, there's a lot worse things that have happened to a lot of people. But it did, like, put a certain switch in my mind where I was kind of not trusting of anybody, you know? Like, this is the kind of kids that be in Piccadilly. So I'm riding my bike. There's three kids, and they're like, hey, come on over here. Like, whatever, I'm super young. I can't really remember the whole conversation or whatever. But they're talking to each other, and they're like, yeah, yeah, d- you know, didn't you say you wanted to fight him? I'm like, no. No, like, oh, no, you wanted to fight him. The, the, he has to fight us. Then, no, tell him he has to fight us, doesn't he? And they're all, like, kind of laughing between the three of them or whatever. And then the one grabs the back of the seat. He kind of got behind me, grabs the back of the seat, flips it over. I go, ask over tea kettle. Like, have you ever just been soccer kicked in the, in the ribs? No. It's the worst. And they just beat the fuck out of me. They're a couple years older than me, maybe like 11, 12. Which is a big difference like, when you're a kid. Literally for no reason. Just like flagging me over the side of the road, beat the fuck out of me. Like literally for nothing. I'm all fucked up. I'm like, I got black eyes. I'm all confused. You know, I was like. Oh, and that, that's that, so awful. That's just the kind of people. I would kick the shit out of those kids. Yeah, today. I mean, there are worse places and there were, you know, like there, there are little, literal war zones in the world that you grow up in, in other parts of the world where you can get your. You don't, have arm to, blown. you don't have to downplay. You can get your arm blown off with a bomb, and you know what I mean. Yeah, like Piccadilly wasn't that bad, but it, it was just—it was just a negative place to live. So then, did you start getting like mixed up with some of these bad kids? Oh, good, you have to, because it's either you that become their friend. Yeah, I mean that's like survival, and then you get like strength and empowerment by hanging out with other. People like being on the team instead of being like an outsider of the team. Yeah, you know. So we we do what was called like car dipping. You know, you go through the neighborhood or whatever and just check every unlocked car. And if somebody didn't like their car, you get in, you run your hands along the floors and in the seats and check the glove box and just get change or CDs or like whatever you could steal from the car. Literally, yeah, just cigarettes, lighters, whatever. You know, just. Gather and change, you know. Then you go to like the coin star machine and cash it in at the grocery store. And then like everybody shoplifted everything. I've talked about jokingly how I used to shoplift wrestling tapes and stuff, all this, but that's true. I knew the difference between right and wrong, but like everybody just stole because we didn't have money. You, yeah. That's how you got stuff. So like stealing to me wasn't even a thing. It was just like, oh no, that's how you're supposed to live. That was like, it was a means of survival. One dude had this racket going on. He was selling CDs and VCRs and whatever other kind of 90s technology at the time. And, like, the PlayStation had just come out. Like, the original PlayStation. Hell yeah. And, like, video games, right? So he was selling them. He would, like, have kids go out and steal stuff for him. Give them, like, 10 bucks. And then he would sell it for whatever. You know, so not a good... uh, Not Not a a good system. Not a good percentage to have gotten or whatever. (laughs) So I started stealing video games for him and CDs and stuff like that. Video game controllers or whatever. And I got really, really ambitious at KB Toys. And they had the PlayStations on top of the uh, video game rack, like the glass rack. And the PlayStations were stacked up there. And to get to it, you had to take like a rolling steel steps. That's not an easy thing to get a hold of in a store. You know, like the rolling stairs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had to roll the steps up, walk up, grab it, come back down. <laughs> what the fuck? And you thought you'd get away with that? Oh, yeah. I, we cased the joint. Oh, my God. Like, forever. And I got, like, a lookout, and we had some stupid, like, childish system. I'm, like, super young. I grabbed that fucking PlayStation. I come back down. I'm, like, right by the door, and they tackled the shit out of me. And then they, they, like... Did you get, like, arrested? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything horrible. It wasn't, like, beaten up or anything. You know what I mean? They, you know, they just stop you from stealing it, and then the cop comes, and then he asks you quit. And the cop's like, I've got more important things to worry about today than this idiot stealing a PlayStation. But the way they talk to you, and the way parents get all mad, and when you're like, whatever, 11 years old, you get mad at them. It makes you rebel even worse. Mm-hmm. I just need somebody to come in and be like, yo, you idiot. You can't steal a PlayStation, or you go, you know, like, you dumbass. You know, I, I needed, like, I needed to, to make sense to me. Yeah. I had a lot of, you know, just traditional angst and teenageriness or whatever. The thing that really kind of like really made things make sense that like really switched the the gear for me was wrestling. When I started wrestling. Like high like, school wrestling or professional wrestling? Like youth wrestling at like okay. 11 years old. Okay. Now things started to make sense to me because now I was like part of a group in a better way. 
I'm not like part of a group of kids, like, you know, like just hanging out on the street corner playing hacky sack and smoking weed. And Almost like that. Shit. Remember that Sarah Silverman clip I made you watch the other day of like you go towards the love, you go to where you're accepted, whether it's something bad or good, but it's something you're accepted into. So you just kind of do it to do it. Yes, exactly. And like being a wrestler was like being part of a gang, but like in a good way, because it was like, this is the hardest sport in the world. Only the hardest nose people do this. We work harder than everybody. It's a ton of discipline that yeah, goes and, along and, with it. Yeah, Respect. Cause, yeah, because wrestling is the hardest, hardest sport. The trait of wrestlers as they go into other uh, parts of their life or other sports is the mental toughness. I'm not very gifted or skilled, particularly athletically. I can't do a backflip 450. Can't springboard and twist and twirl and all you that shit. You tried to do a moonsault once. Tried is the uh, <laughs> operative word. <laughs> Like I, like, I always say, like, I can't run very fast, but I can run for a really long time mm-hmm. because I learned mental toughness. I can fucking suffer. And that's been a blessing and a curse to be able to do that. Why do you say that? What's a curse of being able to endure suffering? Maybe I should have taken days off. Got it. Or taken time off or... Uh, Said no to or something. Just, or been like, maybe I'm hurt. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't work through this injury. Got it. Or maybe I should say no to this bump or not just... Be like, I'm indestructible, and I'll just mentally go through it mm-hmm. and then pay the price years and years later. Just the physical release of, like, wrestling and the aggression and the physicality and, like, you know, it's not about, like, hurting people or fighting or anything. You know, at the bus stop and on the street and stuff, it's just, like, all this fighting and all this negativity and it's all bad and it's all this negative energy. I didn't necessarily like all that. But wrestling, it was, like, pure. It's different. Because you don't like doing bad things or, like, you don't like causing anybody any kind of pain physically or emotionally. Like, that's not something that you ever get off on. Like, you're the most, like, gentle guy and when it comes to that. So, like, I couldn't see you as a kid wanting to, like, do bad things and, like, get your rocks off that way. Like, I feel like you – I couldn't see no, you I mean, enjoying it was ne- that never stuff. about – Never about like I got some like serial killer mean streak like <laughs> right, I no. like I hurt animals. Remember my mom? I knew was this nervous. one kid when that, we first started dating. My mom was nervous because she thought you were a psychopath because she watched one of your old promos. It's because I'm a thespian, babe. <laughs> Here's a typical Piccadilly kid. There was like a little creek that ran through. He grabs this gecko and he has a syringe. He fills it full of water and the thing blows up like a balloon in its little arms and oh. explodes. Wherever oh. that guy is now, I guarantee he's done he's in, time. He's in jail or he's has a human heads in his basement. Yikes. That's a bad sign. He but yeah, carries a dangerous gene. That's not me. No, that is not and, you. And I'm not an attention seeker. No. It wasn't like I was not. like, look at me, I'm acting up, I'm doing you know. But you just said something interesting about how you are not an attention seeker. And you're not. I've never met somebody that is like so not an attention seeker that happens to be in the spotlight so often, you know, where like you don't seek out the attention, but you just want to be a professional wrestler. It's given you so much success. Like when you were a kid growing up in Piccadilly, did the idea of being famous even ever enter your brain? Did that seem like something that was attainable to you then? No, because one, it's impossible. Like when you're 12, it all seems ridiculous to say you know you want to accomplish some ridiculous goal but you know if you want it bad enough and you put in the work and it takes a lot of work you can do anything in the world and then one night if you're lucky you may defend the wwe championship successfully at Madison Square garden and then make love to your wife in the middle of times square <laughs> that was the best well we weren't married back then we weren't we were no, but i got a while, uh we were married you know Left the show, hopped on a subway up to Times Square where we were. Uh, I got a, like a hotel with like a porch, like really a little cool. patio, right in Times Square, right where the ball drops. All the hustle and bustle of New York City, the big the, Broadway, the sign. media capital of the world. We took just, it to Pound Town, brother. Just got naked. <laughs> it was amongst, really fun amongst the lights of NYC. You know. That was such a fun night. I mean, obviously, for all of those reasons, but that will be a night that I will always remember. Like, I'm going to, like, tell, like, our kids at some point. They probably won't want to hear that story, but too yeah. bad. 
Like, no, literally nobody can say anything to criticize me ever for the rest of my life. They can be like, yeah, you suck as a wrestler. I can be like, dude, I defended the WWE Championship in Madison Square Garden and then banged my hot wife in the middle of Times Square. Bam. I'm done. Bam. I'm done. Yeah. Cash out. Signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so you're just, like, dealing with the success that you've been able to have because you're, like, kind of, you're not a great famous person. No, I, I don't really, I don't really care for that. Uh, yeah, you don't enjoy that aspect that comes along with the profession that you've chosen. No, I, I, I like the, uh, you know, money is a great tool to, you know, provide for your family and help others and so forth like that, and uh, to secure your needs. I lived so much of my life having literally no money. Like the day I signed with WWE, I literally had no money. You didn't have a bank account. I was living with my boy Dev, and I had to. Uh, go with his girlfriend to her bank to cash the first, like, they give you, like, a moving check. And I didn't have a bank account to cash it. So I had to go with her and cash it through her bank. So I just had a giant wad of cash and, like, a bag and a box with a few things in it. And my beater car, when I drove down to Florida from Philly, was all I literally had to my name. I'm just so used to having no money that I just want to hoard it all. Right. I think the benefit to that was... I never got expensive tastes. Like, I don't need to buy anything. I don't buy anything. You don't like anything like I don't... Like, you don't like going out to I don't know... Fan. You don't like going to a nice restaurant. Like, none of that stuff appeals to you. I don't know what this shirt is. It's Alexis it, on fire, everybody. It came in the mail free. She gets a bunch of stuff in the mail. This is some shirt I got for free. This hat is a violent gentleman hat. They sent it to me for free. My truck is... Five years old at this point, I'll, I bought that in cash, and I will drive that until the wheels fall off. I don't ever feel the need to buy another house. Love this house. Hopefully, you don't make me move if you get, like, the Kelly Ripa gig or something like that. I don't know. Who but, knows? like, I just, I don't have any expensive tastes. I have nothing to buy. But, but that part of it is nice. Of but course. the famous part of it, I don't it's, care for that It's part. like a burden to you. If I could just make the same money... And wrestle down at the local rec center in front of 500 people every weekend. I would do that. I just want to wrestle. Yeah. I like I like getting in there. I like telling stories. I like doing the physicality. I, I just I love the feeling at the end of the night when you've like emptied your gas tank and you've really told a great story and it all hit on all cylinders. It was it was hot and you're feeling the crowd, the electricity, and you're like you just want to like have a cigarette and relax and you're like that was fucking awesome and you're like in the afterglow like and you're bleeding and sweating and you know having caked blood in your face and, oh man it's the best it's the best <laughs> feeling in the world like that's the feeling Loves it. that's the feeling i'm chasing the the feeling of people like talking about me or whatever people who like being famous get off on i don't get off on that i, I don't care what well, kind of I, goes you know, back to the very first thing where like you don't like to talk all that much sometimes if you're uncomfortable in the situation or like if somebody approaches you and wants a photo or wants to like they want to get their John Moxley experience if they see you out in public and it usually doesn't go that way because you don't like that experience. Oh, I'm very nice to people. You're no, I'm not saying you're not nice to people. You're nice to people, but you are still just like, hey, how's it going? Like you are abrupt in a way that like you don't, like, engage beyond, usually. I can. You will find a lot of people have had a lot of nice interactions with me. I can be, <laughs> I'm I can saying be they're not nice. nice. I wasn't um, saying they're not nice. No, honestly, like, uh, when we first started doing uh, meet and greets and stuff, like, we went from being, uh, but we, I mean, talking about the Shield, we were in FCW in an island, literal nobodies. Nobody knew who we were. If you're not a wrestling fan and you're listening to this, what I'm talking about is, the group I was with. If you're not a wrestling fan and you're listening to this, I don't know how you found this podcast, but welcome. The group I was with, we were from the kind of the equivalent of a farm system in wrestling in Florida. We were absolute nobodies. Nobody knew who we were. We were making gas money. We're nobodies. Came onto the scene a matter of months later, all of a sudden we're the fucking Backstreet Boys. Like we're going I to- would have gone the Beatles, but okay. Whatever. We're like a fucking boy band all of a sudden. We're like going to malls. Did you have been the next? There's chicks going crazy. I don't- no, no, I don't know the reference. He was the heartthrob. Well, that would have been me then for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's like chicks going crazy. There's, you know, and now I'm meeting all these people and like, I don't know how to talk to people, you know? So it's yeah. like, it's very weird for me to like, people are like, oh my God, I love you so much. And I'm like, I don't know you. 
thank you, but like, I I just don't know how to I don't know how to behave in this scenario. But over time, well, Seth and, and, and Roman then, are both good at that. So did it kind of save you? Oh, especially then when we start doing the uh, the make a wishes. Being in WWE kind of helped me learn. As strange as it sounds, it kind of helped me learn better social skills. I have to learn how to like talk to people I don't know and. When you have to like initiate the conversation and yeah, especially or like when I have to, especially some of these make a wishes, the person is shy, but sure. you have to make this a good experience for them. So you have to, but I got it down to a science. You know, they give me the details. I'm like, what's the kid's name? Where's he from? That's all I need to know. Like we're good. Like I learned how to be a person in the public eye. Mm-hmm. It took actual work. It was like a skill to develop. Of course. It's not easy to do that. I mean, that's a very difficult I mean, for, thing. For some people, of maybe not. how to say the right thing. I think that's got to be hard for no, anybody. The, the difference between me of course, in 2011 to now is totally different. I would say there's a big difference from like when you and I first started dating. Till now. I mean, that was only like a two-year difference from 2011 anyways. But like, I think there's a big difference in the way that you're able to handle situations like that. Because being with you like highlighted... All those things about myself, you know, but it's a great partnership because now people know that I'm not going to answer their call. So they just call you. It's actually a bit of a raw deal that, yeah, I take all the phone calls. I remember all the birthdays. I do all that stuff. It's great. Yeah, I I have all that shit together. It's great, but there's things I'm better at that I take care of. Like what? Driving. Uh, (laughs) I do all the driving. I don't even think that's true. Uh, You just always happen to drive. Because I don't trust you to drive. I'm not a bad driver, though. I've never been in an accident. Texter. I am not. Don't you dare. And I don't want to be there the day that it happens. It's not me. I, I'm not a text driver. Yeah, but it's a good It's a good system we have. We do have a good system. Yeah, yeah. But people literally call her during the day when they're looking for me that at TVs. All the time. Because they just don't even bother. They, just, they don't it. even bother calling me because they know I'm not going to answer. I get it from AEW sometimes. I don't even fucking work AEW there. AEW people call here. Oh, my God. She doesn't even work there. It's great. It's insane. Like, I get it at WWE because we're both in the building. I got like, myself you know a secretary. Is? And I don't even have to pay her. <laughs> what bullshit. You pay me. You pay me in sexual favors. But those are priceless. <laughs> Stupid. They don't even fit on the payroll sheet. <laughs> Um, okay, so you have all this success. Everything's going great. Um, you're you're living out your literal fucking dreams. Is there ever a part of you that worries about being poor again? Yes. That's why I don't like to spend money. I, I, I feel that way too because I just like, I've never been like poor, poor, but I've, I have not had money or I've not been able to afford things before. And there's definitely like that fear kind of sets in at a certain point of like, Shit, okay, you've achieved this. Let's keep it going so that we don't, like, I don't want to. Not not take, so much you know? for me. I could live off a nickel for the next 12 months if it came down to it. I've done it before. Like, not so much for me. Not even so much for you. Because I know you, you're good. It's for, like, potential family in the future or people that I have to take care of. My mother, my sister, her family. What if something happened? It's a big responsibility. Yeah, I feel a responsibility to make sure that I'm there to protect people if something or if there was a need. I mean, even leaving WWE, like when you first start considering walking away from a check with a potential lot of zeros on it, you know, the fiscal responsibility to your family, you're like, is this irresponsible, what I'm doing? Is this like selfish? But yeah, so always uh, on my mind is, saving and being frugal and uh not all of a sudden trying to become something that i'm not i am what i am i'm from piccadilly i'm still a piccadilly kid so first time i paid my taxes in wwe because you're an independent contractor quote unquote independent contractor which is not true you're a fucking employee but yeah. that's a whole another conversation so you have to pay your taxes. So in developmental, the first couple of years, I didn't make that much money. So I was able to do them myself on like TurboTax. You did your own taxes? Yeah, because it was easy because I only worked in wow. one. Because I only worked in one state. I don't know how to do taxes. And I didn't make that much money. So it was simple. But then whatever year that was, when I'd been on WWE for a while, now I'm working a bunch of different states. Now I'm starting to make a little money. And now the taxes are a little more confusing. I'm not going to be able to do this myself. I got to get a tax guy. 
So I look up a tax guy, and I don't have an accountant. I don't, <laughs> tax know, guy. I don't know. I don't know shit. I've only had a bank account for two years, you know. So I end up finding uh, Brent, my accountant, yeah. who you know. What a guy. And Bryce, my financial advisor, who, yeah. whom you know. Yeah. Great yeah. dudes. Conservative, fiscally responsible individuals. So I walk into their office and I explain my situation and whatever. And they're like, how will do your taxes? Well, what do you want to do with the future or whatever, you know? And I was like, well, I'm finally making some money now. I don't know when this is going to end. This could end tomorrow. So I just want to save as much as humanly possible. So that in like five years, if this all goes to shit, I'm good. So that was, you know, my plan when I was like just starting to make a little money in WWE. It was like... All right, I just want to hoard it, save it, because this is going to end at any moment. This is too good to be true. It's going to end. We ended up having a nice, really long run. Yeah. Went over five years. Yeah. But I still have that same mentality. Sure. That, like, this could end. Sure. In, yeah, this could end at any moment. I, I don't ever want to have to uh, be dependent on anybody else for a paycheck, you know, if, if that was the case. The bottom line is I'm very cheap. You're not cheap. You're very, you're extremely generous. Frugal. You're, uh, frugal's a better word. You're not cheap. Or, uh... You're very Low generous. rent. Yeah. I've been wearing the same jeans for two days. I can't even get into it. I've been asking yeah. to buy shoes for days. You need new shoes big time. Kills no, me. No, we were at the mall, and she wants me to buy shoes from the mall. When What's the little, wrong with the mall? The little Nike outlet is, like, half as expensive. Yeah, but they have shit and the, shoes. They'll the actually have my size. Have, no, but they don't have good shoes. Look at and this you, shoe. you are a premier I got athlete. 14. You should have a good shoe. Sometimes you work out in a fucking combat boot. People have been known to see you in the gym in jeans, which is incredibly problematic. What if I'm just doing. No, you're like on a treadmill in jeans and combat boots. Maybe what I felt the, the need to get on the treadmill. Freaking people out, man. What if aliens attacked? And I need to run for my life to come save you. I would still rather be in. Some, and I like, happen to be in jeans and I'd combat boots. I happen to be boots. in track shorts, or like. Or am I going to stop and change and put on my fucking Nike shocks to run away from this alien yes! attack? They're meant for running. They're combat boots. What do you think? Everybody walks in combat. It's running and <laughs> jumping and diving. They're in, it's all insane to me. I, I can't. You even sleep in jeans sometimes, which is a thing that I tried to battle you on. For the longest time we first started dating, I could not understand why you slept in your jeans. And now I've, I've just accepted it. He sleeps in his fucking jeans. Sometimes. Not all the time. You have gotten better. It took me a long time to even wear you down into just wearing sweatpants around the house. Well, I like to be able to get up and go at any time. What are you expecting to happen? I don't know. I need you to get more comfortable. I'm very comfortable, but I'm comfortable in jeans. Comfortable and ready for flight. Yeah. At all times. Um, okay, so now with wrestling, we don't need to harp on anything wrestling-wise because I feel like you have been able to talk about that so much uh, in different interviews and whatnot. But what do you plan on doing to maintain longevity of your career. Because as you've said, I mean, you just fucking love wrestling, but it's obviously incredibly hard on your body. It's super taxing. The schedule can be gnarly. Well, like, how do you plan on maintaining that? Or are you just going to kind of, like, figure it out as you go? No, because the mistake I made before, as I was telling you earlier, work, 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 work. Work <laughs> work ultimately pays off. But a lot of times you have to work smarter, not harder. Doing things in training and so forth to try to increase mobility and, and so forth. And, like, I don't have a problem taking just a full rest day, whereas, like, I'm kind of a training freak. You have gotten a lot better at that, definitely. Kind of a training addict freak where, like, even if it's, you know, a day off, I still end up running fucking five miles for some reason. Just because I feel like I have to work. I can't sit around and do nothing. I have to do something today. Yeah, but a rest day is good for recovery and mm -hmm. so forth. And uh, I'm about to be 35. Yeah, you are. There's a lot of miles for 35. A career I had before this, as far as like death matches and, you know, a lot of stupid stuff I did in my body and stuff. Uh, and just, you know, regular wrestling and training and all the time at WWE of, you know, years of, like, literally going through multiple tables every single night, 
and driving a bazillion miles every single night and being on every plane and every tour. And like, I didn't miss a day of work, as you know, for years. Yeah. Until I got until hurt. we went on our honeymoon, really was yeah that was the first that was the yeah. first time and I'd already I'd already torn my tricep yeah. I'd already been working on a torn tricep by yeah then. I took yeah, I took one tricep, one TV off in six years that torn tricep like fucked up our honeymoon because you were in so much pain ruined my fucking honeymoon we didn't and, know what it was but, uh, we didn't know what was wrong with it we didn't know it was torn then yeah I think the travel more so than anything when you combine travel when you take all you know get beat up and take all those bumps and get choked slammed through tables and then you get in a car sure for you know you know checking into a hotel you're in a different bed every yeah, night yeah fucks up all like, your shit and you yeah. know it's the life we live and it's part of the job or whatever there's also but, some uh, fun that comes with that if I just kept on doing that at the same pace I wouldn't have lasted long and I, I, I could feel my physical window not that it's closing but I can feel Feel the distance now. Getting a little tight. I'm not gonna say I can feel it closing, but I'm but I'm aware of it now, and I want to keep it open and extend, and I want to be able to wrestle as long as I possibly can. I'd like like to be 50 and wrestle. You know, I'd like if we had kids, I'd like them to be able to come and see me wrestle. And I just want to do. I like to do physical stuff. So over the next year or two, I'll make a. I'll just kind of see where I'm at physically and make a decision. This uh, whole. Pandemic situation really changed the uh, the year and made it a lot less busy for me. It made it so don't, as much as the pandemic has obviously been fucking awful but, for the world, but also I've been having super physical matches and been going back and forth to Jacksonville, which is a bitch. Jacksonville's a great town. Daly's place is a great venue. It's perfect for what we're doing. I'm, I'm glad that we have it. It's a blessing that we have such a great venue to run safely in. But Getting from Jacksonville to Vegas and back and back and forth is a bitch. Mm-hmm. Like the West Coast guys are like, oh man, this is a bitch because it's a it's a full day of travel. But when you were on the road with WWE, like a majority of shows were always on the East Coast, so we were doing that every single week with drives in between town, and you're doing house shows on top of that. Like it was just a grind, no matter what. Yeah, like those first couple of years, I mean, the Shield, we were on the road Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Every week for two years straight, be home for thirty six hours. Sometimes was, you wouldn't uh, even go home though. Right? No, a lot of that. A lot of that I was single, so like, there's no ooh, point. Ooh la la! Yeah. What were you doing? Back in my glory days, free bachelor, everybody. I wouldn't ooh, even ooh. wouldn't even bother go home. I'll just go right to the next town because what's the point of going all the way back to Vegas and then turning sure. right back around? You know. Yeah. So, uh, but I didn't mind it. I mean, it was an adventure back then. I was having a great time, you know. But to answer your question, I, I'm going to try to I'm going to reevaluate here you know in the next year or two and see where i'm at and then just kind of make a plan from there um okay i'm gonna attempt to do some kind of a bit of a rapid fire here okay if you weren't a professional wrestler what would you be i took a like a aptitude test in junior high or high school once when they told me i would be a forced firefighter oh that would be a good one for you i could see that the only answer i I just said that like as if i've not heard that from you before oh really we've talked about this but i still wasn't expecting you to say that Okay, best book you've ever read? Of Mice and Men, Fahrenheit 451, A Season on the Mat. I'm not going um, to pick one. I've always found this fascinating about you, is how much time you spent in the library as a kid. You're a very smart guy, and I know that. Anyone that knows you knows that. The way that your brain holds on to information and like processes information, I find fucking fascinating. Because my brain's not like that. I don't remember anything... Uh, you were able to quote things nearly dead on from like things you've seen forever ago, books you've read, interviews you've read. Uh, but you used to spend a lot of time in a library when you were a kid, right? To me, I was like, why is nobody else doing this? Because they just let you take stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A library card is free. I assume it's that same way today. It's fucking free. It's got to be. They'll let you take a stack of books. And it's not all like boring school books. Like you get like comic books, graphic novels, magazines, CDs, tapes, movies, video cassettes. But they don't have video cassettes, CDs, or cassettes anymore. So DVDs, that, Blu-rays. They might have DVDs. I don't even. Do people don't even have DVDs anymore? I I don't know. Maybe they probably just have like downloads. Maybe they have like a QR code, just like download shit. Maybe. Yeah, you probably don't even. Need, yeah, maybe the library's worthless now. But but you know, it, at least at that time. You get the Soundgarden CD and a Metallica CD and an ACDC CD, and they would let you just take them, just borrow it for two, like two weeks, like 14 days. And then you, you put it in the 
thing and then uh, get like a blank tape, shoplift the blank tape, of course. Obviously. Put it in there, pressure cord, and now you have a tape of the new Soundgarden CD. I mean, that's all stealing. I'd never, I would never steal from the library. I've never stolen from the library. Honor system over here. No, because, no, because it was, yeah, it, it's a... It's a service. It's a great service. Yeah. And, and underutilized. If you, br- if you brought it back and said, hey, can I check it out again? They'd be like, cool, take it again. It's great. Yeah, what a system. Like, yeah. What a great system. Uh, the library. Wow. We could hang out at Beachmont Billiards, which got torn down, and now there's a Starbucks there. But we'd hang out there, or we just do a lot of just like hanging out on the corner, just like in a circle of just hanging out, talking, somebody on a bike, somebody playing hacky sack, somebody smoking a cigarette. Or we just walk around a bunch. Like, kids don't just, like... No, no kids do anything anymore. All the kids in my neighborhood of all ages were just, like, wild animals. Like, just constantly packs of us just congregating and walking around. Like, you never see kids just, like, out anymore. Never. It's crazy. I know. I see no kids in this neighborhood. I know they're here because I see them get out of their cars with their parents. But they don't just, like, hang out on the street and congregate anymore. Like, somebody just knock on our apartment door and be like, we're playing baseball. Okay. Or it's football season. We're playing football. This is the dumb shit we did. We play wrestling, you know. Up here from my generation, there's a lot of backyard wrestlers who first started wrestling kind of just teaching themselves in a backyard. And they would film their matches and do spots and have characters and so forth. Can and, you uh, figure for someone and fuck them up? It's Boston Crab. Oh. I've gotten a lot of trouble for that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, We'd be like out front of the apartments or whatever, and we'd be like, "Okay, we're gonna play wrestling," but we didn't go like, "Okay, let's put on a performance and like have fun and like sell for each other." We didn't understand that or what something. We would just beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> so we'd be like, "Okay, we're doing wrestling, we're playing wrestling," and it'd be like, "Oh, who do you want to be? I'm Bret Hart. Oh, I'm Undertaker. I'm Razor." And we'd come out from the bush. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like if you're like Razor Ramon, you do like the Razor. And then it'd be like, okay. And somebody'd be the ref and it'd be like, okay. Ding ding ding. And then we would just beat the fuck out of each other. We just would fight. Just under the guise of being bred on. Really fight. And like try to pin each other for three seconds of shit. And it'd be like, that wasn't three, motherfucker. And then you fight the ref and now every and then it always end up in a big fight. I did I taught myself the Boston Crab by watching Earthquake. Do it to Hulk Hogan, the first wrestling tape I ever owned, which was SummerSlam 90. So I had this fucking kid down, and I got my knee in his fucking back, and I'm like, all right. So I didn't, I didn't turn him with it. I had him on his back, or on his belly, and I had my knee in his back. And I grabbed his fucking legs up. and was like, ha! And that, that was like my finisher. Tore his legs apart. Funnily enough, one of my great rivals would be Chris Jericho, perfect purveyor <laughs> of the Boston Crab. <laughs> But I was should put that kid in a fucking lion tamer. I was bossing crap motherfuckers before I hit puberty. <laughs> uh, how did I get onto this? I asked you about the fucking library, dude. I oh yeah, yeah. So like, this is the kind of dumb shit we did. So you know, to kill time, I go to the library, read books, take out books. But in my early twenties, no money, nothing to do, trying to find work to facilitate my wrestling. Habit it was kind of a really down period of my career. Just had nothing going on, nothing going on in life. Kind of one of those points where it gets to be a little scary, where you're like, "Am I about to be like 22 with no education or job skills to speak of, and I have literally no money to my name, and I got nothing going on?" At this point, you know, a lot of promoters contact you through email, but I don't have a computer. The library will let you use their computer to have an email address so that promoters can contact you and you can you know so forth maybe youtube would just come out so you can watch wrestling stuff you know so i spent a lot of time at a library it's a different time in life one of my favorite things to do was do a bunch of coke oh and then go to the library. <laughs> what you get fucked up on coke and go to the library oh yeah what <laughs> some like really shit or some fuck? shitty cheap speed And just fucking read all kinds of shit. Oh my god! I've told her that, that before. I don't know why. You've 
never told me that before. Nah, you have never told me you used to do a bunch of coke and go to the Not a bunch. I didn't have enough money for a bunch. Either but way, what a weird pastime. Just enough. It was like a 15-minute walk, so I put on my headphones, walk up there. What kind of stuff gets, would you read? educated on some stuff. Anything. <laughs> what a fucking wacko jacko. The guy in the encyclopedia seemed like he's on cocaine to you? No, I probably just oh looked studious. God. You know those college kids doing that everywhere. Oh, actually, that's probably true. They're all on They're all on Adderall and <laughs> shit. Like it's yeah, not exactly. it's not that weird really. Ah, uh, I think that's very funny. And I don't recommend it to anybody else, but that's funny as fuck. Yeah, I would take like breaks where I'd like go outside. There's a speedway right next door, so I'd like Read for a while. I'd have like a book, read a few chapters, put it down, go outside, get a coffee, smoke a cigarette or two, and then come back in. You were like a, a truck driver of reading, just fucking plowing through, like yeah. taking all those uppers. Jesus. Wow. That's a great story. Consult your local library, children. I'm telling you, <laughs> they just give you shit for free. They'll just let you borrow it. Oh and if it's late, they, it's like 10 cents. Yeah, it's nothing. It's like a 10 cent late fee. Yeah, they don't care. I'm just, yeah, because no one's I'm going there I'm a big proponent anyway. of the library. That's great. Uh, okay, well, I think that concludes the interview. That was funny as all hell. Thank you for doing my maiden voyage here on Oral Sessions. <sighs> <laughs> there we go. First episode in the can. Uh, I hope that you guys really enjoyed listening to us just shooting the shit. It's really fun to get to pick your significant other's brain or, you know, kind of tee them up for answers that I already kind of knew the story to or getting to flush out a little more or hearing stuff for the very first time. So hopefully some of that was new information to you guys. And uh, we all learned a little bit more about Mr. Jonathan Moxley. What a guy. What a freaking guy. The father of my child that is currently growing. Um, when we recorded that, obviously, we were like not at the point of telling people that I was pregnant yet. So it was still like a big time secret. So when I like look back at the YouTube video of it, I'm like, oh, my God, there's this little tiny bean growing away in there. Um, and I was sipping on a ginger ale the entire time while, of course, he got to have a cocktail. Uh, but such is life for the next seven months or so. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, like, subscribe, share, pass it along to, uh, to anybody else you think might want to get in on some oral sessions. <laughs>